when I was 14 to 16 is when I just was absolutely obsessed with surfing. So every day after school, as much as all the day on the weekends, and I would just, I contribute getting to that level with just surfing a ton and obsessing over all my favorite surfers. I'd watch Momentum on Kelly Slater, Black and White, the whole thing right before I'd paddle out. So I'd spend 30, 40 minutes watching a surf movie, stretching, trying to visualize myself surfing somewhat like Hello, it's Kurt Derdix. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening, then I'm so glad you found us. This week, I'm excited to share my conversation with my friend, Tim Curran. During his successful surfing career, he was one of the best surfers on the World Championship Tour and at his peak was in contention for the world title. And in this episode, Tim shares how he discovered and developed his skills as an elite athlete, including sharing a powerful story about a professional surf heat at the Pipe Masters competing with the GOAT, Kelly Slater with the world title on the line. Tim was considered to be a pioneer of the aerial revolution in surfing in the 90s and uh, is famous for completing a full rotation upside down flip at Rocky Point. We get into all kinds of other fun facts. And at the back end of his pro surfing career, Tim caught another wave with music, which is where I first met Tim almost 20 years ago in 2002. Tim and I collaborated on a project with a band called Red West that I was managing at the time. And Tim had funded the band's EP in uh, 2002. And the band was soon after signed to Atlantic Records. And we get into a really funny story about me losing the band management duties to the Blink-182 manager, Rick DeVoe. It's a pretty funny story, actually. Then Tim started writing, playing, and recording, and, and has released three albums and, and one EP so far. We get into that process. And then fast forward to now, Tim has reinvented himself again and caught a third wave as a general contractor and real estate investor with his firm Deadwood Construction, focusing on residential and commercial projects throughout the Southern California region. And Tim was able to join me for an event at Kelly Slater Surf Ranch a couple weeks back at the time of this recording. And this was an intimate retreat of investors, entrepreneurs, and service providers from the Southern California startup community that my firm sponsored, along with Crosscut Ventures, Fenwick, Pacific West Bank, Artium, and other emerging LA tech firms. The event was called Making Waves, and that we surely did. Surfing with Tim was a bucket list for me, and being able to bring him to the event yeah, it was essentially a special memory I'll never forget, and checking off two bucket lists in the same day is, is pretty awesome. And we get into what's so special about the ranch, and, and big kudos again to Kelly Slater and co, who have succeeded in creating the conditions for magic. This show has a lot to offer anyone interested in surfing, following one's dreams, reinvention, staying positive and true to ourselves in the face of a crazy world. Tim brings so much experience, soul, and wisdom to the party, so this episode delivers the goods. At the end of the show, we'll share a list of resources mentioned in the episode. Thank you to Hunt Club for sponsoring the show. Hunt Club is a new category of recruiting firm helping the next generation of category creators find the best talent. Go to huntclub.com to learn more. On to today's show. 
here's Tim. All right, Tim, first off, thank you so much for spending time with us today, amigo. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are you feeling and where are you today? I'm feeling great. I am at my house in between a couple meetings and uh, yeah, just at home. Yeah, Deadwood, uh, Ventura County or Ventura, right? That's that's where you are? Uh, Ventura. Yeah, awesome. So we're recording this mid-November 2021 and two weeks ago we shared for me what was a, a lifelong memory. We got to serve Kelly Slater Surf Ranch, the perfect man-made wave in Lemoore, Central California. And for those in the audience, Tim, that might not be familiar with the surf branch, can you catch us up? And for those surfers listening that maybe haven't surfed it, why is it so unique? Yeah, just, I mean, it's, we've all watched it. I actually, when I was, I don't know, 10 years ago, at one of Kelly's birthday parties, he had a little diagram, a little, little mini wave of it. Pretty cool to see that it all worked out. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, stayed true and persistent and had a dream and and uh the dream came true so cool and then just the fact that the wave is so good you know i mean it's powerful it's fast it's offshore on the right and uh really good tubes and just yeah such a great experience and it's you know as we both know you know it's even better in in person why is the wave so good the wave is so good because i think obviously the bottom the contour of the bottom they did a great job of making the way you know you could do turns or you can get barreled and then just the way the i think majority of the natural wind pattern is is in that area you know it's really good for the rights and so and then it's really powerful too uh, a lot of people don't know you know just watching it on tv or online you're not able to tell how powerful it is and how fast you're moving and there's no need to try to create your own speed unless you blow it and get caught behind and then it's gone. Yeah. You and I, we surfed the first heat together. I think you were up first. And I think I was behind you. And then the wave pool was, because we had quite a few people in it, we were splitting the wave. So I, my second wave, the guy that was supposed to pull out was so deep in the barrel, he didn't get out. And then I like dropped in on him and I almost got washed into the little O-ring. It was, and it, I got my wetsuit all cut up and got some nice, you know, refresh. <laughs> it is powerful. Yeah, it's definitely powerful. And, and I was blown away the first time I went there a year ago or whenever I, when I got there, I'm like, it looks like super tubes or, you know, a good sized day at sand spit. Just, you know, when, the, when it's, those places work when there's a ton of swell. So, you know, the, they're a lot more powerful than other waves due to how shallow it is. Yeah, well, it was, it was definitely a highlight for me. One of my bucket list items was to, to surf with at the ranch and also to surf with you and be able to do those two things uh, for the first time on the same day was pretty special. And so thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. And, and it's a, another bucket list item for me was driving the backcountry through Ventura County, through Ojai and through Cuyama. And we ended up, you know, kind of going through Taft. And I hadn't, I'd always wanted to do that drive, never did it. And the fact that I was able to do it with Zach Weisberg from the Inertia, who we that was the first time we had met. He sort of drove down to Camarillo and hopped in my rig and we drove up and made buddies together. That was another, it was a really special thing. And that was one of the things that we were talking about that you highlighted with, with the, I love the personal story that you shared about Kelly showing the diagram, that this sort of concept of idea to thing. 
and sort of the power of imagination and to be able to, you know, conjure something and make it happen. And, um, you know, I think maybe that's a really interesting segue into your background a bit, but a couple of thoughts, I just want to say, call out the, it was really, really amazing surfing with you and, and watching you in real time. And then you posted something on Instagram for the way from the jet ski and the, your style is so smooth. It's just remarkable. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I got a question. So for Kelly, did you guys, so I'm assuming you guys competed together a bunch, right? Yeah, we didn't have too many heats. I had a, one of my most memorable heats was, sadly, he won the heat, but it, it was the year I did the bats, <laughs> the year I finished sixth in the world. And I was one of the only ones that had a shot at the world title because I, I, my surfing career is very hot and cold. So I had a lot of 33rds, which are last place. So I was replacing a 33rd with how I did in that event. And I made my first heat and then get him in the 17th round. And it's massive. It's washing through from the third reef. And, but I, the, what was so neat about it, it was humongous. I was scared and it was a really good heat. I got a couple of really good high scores. He got high scores and beat me only by a little bit, you know, he's just, it's cool to have a, a heat with a legend, you know? So yeah. And to be, uh, to actually be in contender to, to take the title. So yeah. And it was actually the year that he was not on tour. He came in as a wild card. Why, why I was so bummed. Out of all the people in the world you're going to draw for Pipe Masters, I get Kelly as the wild card. So, what year was that? Yeah, we traveled a lot together, even though we didn't compete against each other at heats so much. But yeah, we traveled a lot, golfed, and we, we piggybacked on his all his golf connections while I was on tour. So, uh, it was fun. Well, maybe there's another bucket list item I could dream up is to play some golf with you and Kelly. Maybe try to get Jack Johnson on the on the course too. That'd be pretty funny <laughs> to see. Yeah. <laughs> great do you ever play uh, music with kelly yeah we did like back in the day little little uh jams i think in hawaii like around the at the johnson's house we we uh played some songs and uh, and then yeah kelly's played a show with me in australia and yeah but then life got hectic i wasn't on the tour anymore that he went on his way obviously still still winning yeah I think there's probably people in the audience that aren't so familiar might confuse their think that you and Tom Curran are related, which, you know, I guess have a different spelling of the last name. I was looking online. It looks like you guys shared a bill at Beach Life Festival earlier this year. Have, have you and Tom uh, played some music together? I wasn't able to make that festival this year, but I have played shows with Tom as well. And that's, someone was asking me the other day. I mean, I get it. If I'm around anyone that's you know, my age or a little bit younger, they're always like, yeah, well, your brother, and they always bring up Tom, you know, everyone being so I just go and sometimes I just roll with it, you know? Oh, great, you know, but uh, yeah. Well, maybe you and Tom could start a band, the, the Curran Brothers. I know, well, my dream is to do for inertia, maybe that's how we get into inertia. It's, it would have been good to do it this Thanksgiving, but I want to do a Royal Tenenbaums dinner with, all his family and my brothers and family, and we'll just have one big dinner and Tom's at the head and just confused everyone even more. I love it. I love it. We'll have to get creative with how you're going to kind of do the invite. Maybe for your family, it's the, the your spelling, which is A-N, right? And he's E-N? Yes. Yeah, right. That's funny. 
So p- pressing rewind, you and I both grew up on the beach in Oxnard. I'm a few years older than you. I grew up in Shores. I knew Aaron Fredette, surfed with him a bit, but you were a couple miles south of me, south of the harbor in Silver Strand. And yeah, I grew up uh, surfing on Amalfi Way with Brian Wallbacker. And I think you know Brian yeah. pretty well. Yeah, right. And uh, but funny story, my friends and I would heckle him when he'd be running up because he would surf every day, regardless if the waves were good. And we were sort of like fair weather and, you know, we would only want to go if the waves were good and it wasn't cold. And uh, we had a little deck on the top of our garage where we could sort of see the street and, and uh, he would be running and he was sponsored by Peak Wetsuits and we'd always heckle him, Peak is weak, Peak <laughs> is weak. And he would just look at us and it became sort of a funny joke. And uh, I just thought that might be a fun segue into a discussion about uh, peak performance, all the pun intended. So for you, like, when did you know that you were really good at surfing and when did you and you had a gift for it? And when did you know you were going to go pro and, and how did that all happen? I think when I was, I don't know, it's like you never, you never think you're good or, or you're always striving to get good or better, but. I think when I was around 12 is when I, 12 to 14 is when I was able to kind of start doing the things that I'd watch in the movies, you know, like turds and cutbacks. And I was like, well, I think I could do this. Like I, I, it feels, it feels natural. It feels good. And then I think I did a contest and got third in it at like 12. And, and then, you know, you around that age, you're seeing other surfers and other kids your age and you go, you know, you just kind of pair like well I can do that or I can't do that and I think once I got third in that one of the events I was kind of like oh I really enjoy competing and then it wasn't until and then I did I did horrible in amateur events like I did the NSSAs the NSSA nationals and I just never really did good and then what kicked my whole career off is I entered a PSAA contest which was like the local pro circuit in the U.S. and at C street and somehow I got third in the event and it was just like, and I just turned 16 it was that summer and it was overnight. I had got sponsored by Billabong, Reese, Arnett. It was like overnight and started getting paid. And I was just like, what just happened? Like it was literally like the next week I had contracts and all that. It was wild. So it happened fast. And then from then on, I was like, all right, it's on. I'm going to, work hard and try to you know get on the world tour what was the unlock how did what was was the transformation there i think you know 12 to 14 is when i was you know kind of going you know it feels good feels right i think i could do this and then when i was 14 to 16 is when i just was absolutely obsessed with surfing so every day after school as much as all the day on the weekends and i would just I contribute getting to that level with just surfing a ton and obsessing over all my favorite surfers. I'd watch Momentum on Kelly Slater, Black and White, the whole thing right before I'd paddle out. So I'd spend 30, 40 minutes watching a surf movie, stretching, trying to visualize myself surfing somewhat like them. And then going into that event at Sea Street, I just remember, I'm like, I'm going to go to the North Jetty at Strand where it's really mushy instead of where I lived at the South End and surf really mushy, small rights. And I just went there for like a week before it and just surfed tiny little mushy rights off the jetty. And then, so I, I mean, you know, I was 
trying to mentally prepare to be ready for it in the right conditions. Yeah, I love that. So you basically had you sort of like a kind of a, a framework where you sort of had a mental state that you got yourself into the stretching, you know, and physical kind of physical regimen, and then and then there was sort of like this technique regimen, almost like like a tennis player where they, you know, they're maybe their backhand isn't strong, so they just really focus on that to balance out their game, right? So you would yes. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What did you sacrifice and give up to reach that sort of elite athlete status? I think just uh, schooling, which I'm fine. I mean, like the day I was put in school, I wanted out. I think that was in first grade, and just being home and having more normal life with friends and family. But obviously, it was all worth it, and like it was something I strive to do. So I was happy to be traveling. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Is there anything intrinsic in surfing that may, has made you a better human or entrepreneur? No, I think that what I could say is like surfing such a blessing. It is just jumping in the water. Like Dan Dan Malloy, my good friend says, just jumping in the water is like being baptized. So even if like life's crazy, you're stressed out, just like jumping in the water, catching your couple waves, even if it's not good, you just feel better after, you know, getting wet and so peaceful and then if the waves are good it takes your mind off basically everything in the world (laughs) yeah yeah totally well i think there's it is yeah it's a submersion it is a baptismal thing like almost like uh being in the womb and embryo like embryonic or amniotic i should say i think there's some science too around the waves crashing creates uh sort of like a different ions that are really um really good for for our health that uh, seems to be something in the oxygen that's different. Maybe that's that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, surfing's good for your health period with exercise and all that. Yeah. Well, shifting gears. So you, one of the the things in the, the Curdy D show we was really, really focused on is, is the concept of transformation and how oftentimes, you know, getting a business going transforms us as people. And, and you know, in the context of, of you, like, for you being an athlete, that was sort of your business. And we, we sort of covered that. And you've had a few transformations and kind of switching gears. You you and I first connected in 2002. That's when I first met you through our, our good friend, Ryan Gleason, who was playing drums for a band called Red West that I had been managing out of college. I, I thought I was going to be a big music manager. My dad owned a, the 96.7 The Bus in Ventura. He had sold it a couple of years prior, but that was sort of like how I thought I was going to get in, into music. And um, and then, you know, that band was really, really amazing. Like you funded the demo. I remember meeting you in Shinoa and we went and you guys uh, wrote a check. It was pretty significant at the time. And uh, we were really excited and grateful. Ian Nickus promote, produced that uh, EP and then... I remember going to Europe on a little vacation. I hadn't signed Red West to an agreement yet. And I came back and they're like, hey, well, we got sort of good news, bad news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good news is Rick DeVoe is uh, going to be managing us. Bad news is, uh, you know, Rick DeVoe is going to be managing us. And I was dead. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I was, was going to say it's a weird thing funding it because then I'm like, I need to call whoever I need to call to like get my money back, you know? And just the way that all, yeah, totally. No, it's it's well, and then I remember I, uh, you know, sort of 
just hustling. I remember calling Rick and I had the idea to maybe I can go work for him and sort of like kind of be his understudy and co-manage the band. Cause he had, you know, he had, was managing Blink-182 and like Angels and Airwaves. I, I don't, there was a bunch of bands that he was managing that were really big. And, uh, and I remember I called him from my house. I think I was living in still in Ventura, maybe LA. Um, and I said, Hey, I need to talk to you. It's really important. It has to be done in person. And he's like, no, like, what? No, we would do it over phone. I was like, no, it has to be in person. I'm willing to drive down to San Diego. So I drove down to San Diego and I'm, you know, he's his really nice house right on the beach in Encinitas. And I'm sitting on the couch and I, I had pre-rehearsed this whole talk. And I was like, hey, so I, I bet you can imagine how I must feel, you know, like put yourself in my shoes. I just shut up. And he got kind of real squirmy. And evidently he got scared and he thought I had a gun and he was going to shoot him. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a story that Ryan told me afterward. And then randomly you showed up, knocked on the door and you, and we had, you know, you sort of like got in to the discussion cause I was basically pitching him on, on trying to, you know, kind of work with him and be his understudy. And, and I guess he just wasn't feeling it. And, and you gave me some advice, Tim, that was really sage and simple, but profound and it stuck with me. And you basically just said, Hey, find something that you're good at, that you love doing and pursue that. And I really, you know, it was just one of those passing comments. And I think you were probably, you know, probably felt bad about what happened or whatever. And, and I think you were just, you're a good guy. You're coming from a good place. And I ended up, you know, transitioning and getting into real estate and that was amazing from 03 to 08 and then I got completely wiped out and then you know that advice that you gave me helped me to reimagine my career and got into tech and it's been incredible run and so it's just funny how you know these things happen sometimes and so having said that like a big thank you like you probably didn't realize that that uh, you yeah helped me out in that way and well, I'm glad <laughs> We'll have to send Rick this uh, episode, and I'm sure he'll get a really good laugh. I mean, yeah, he'll laugh. Well, maybe I should uh, do a fake booking on your site and uh, and send the video in. Yeah. <laughs> so you basically transitioned. Like you, you then got into music. You started writing songs. You've done three albums and an EP. Ian Nickus, who's a good friend of mine, he's loving the podcast and we just had a random talk earlier this week and I mentioned that you're coming on the show and he's like, yeah, you know, like he was really impressed. He's like, Tim, like we did the EP and he didn't know how to play a, a click. And I told him he needed to learn how to play to a click yeah. and then we could do a real album and you did it. And it's hard to do. And, you know, playing to a click essentially opens you up to being able to have, you know, different musicians and drummers and guitar overdubs and all that sort of happen instead of just recording it live. And, so I think that's a really interesting segue to like, how did, like, what was, talk to us a little bit about, you know, your, like, wh what was it about music that really lit you up and, and what, what are some of the highlights? What are you sort of proud of and grateful for, for the, the music journey you've been able to go on? Oh yeah. I, I'm thankful for the opportunity. It was definitely just a hobby that turned into something that like, it wasn't like surfing. It was more just like a super far out dream to play shows and it, it didn't happen until I was probably like 28 until someone liked my first song or maybe 24 but it, it was I mean I was playing guitar since I was 16 
And uh, my family would be like, maybe you should try to sell your songs to someone else to sing because you're horrible at singing. And then, uh, yeah, then same thing. I wrote one song someone liked, and then Rob Machado got it on like this uh, Kill the Ocean in Japan. And then, you know, within that year, then I got played a couple of acoustic shows at coffee shops. And then, and then next thing I'm on tour with Foo Fighters on their acoustic tour, which then that like shot me way, you know, way up. Well, at least with uh, people going like, wait, what's going on with Tim? Like, you know, what's going on? I didn't know what was going on with me. I'm just like, I'm just showing up to this stuff, you know, and, and totally freaked out and paranoid. And yeah, music is a wild ride because I, I never like playing shows. Like, I don't like playing shows. I stress out like a month before a show that I'm going to forget my lyrics or I'm going to lose my voice or I'm just going to, I don't even know. So it's been more of like this amazing blessing to, you know, make the albums, write the music and play these shows while completely being stressed out how similar is that to like surfing like that heat with kelly at you know pipeline and the waves are just maxing and just you know you push through the fear like what what insights do you have about about fear and how to interface with it well i think for me it's like just trusting in god like he puts he puts us all in situations that he knows we can handle and going well i'm here because he opened the doors so i'm at pipe surfing as kelly because it's humongous because i love surfing and god opened the doors to get there same with music like he like opens doors with connections to people and then next thing you know you're opening for a huge band and you're like i that wasn't really what i thought or my dream i think i was thinking maybe a couple shows at a at coffee shops you know so going well this is an amazing opportunity i'm gonna go for it even though i'm stressed out yeah like the fear with music that's sort of more of the kind of fear that us living in this sort of modern society deal with around you know ever you know where are we on the status or how do people perceive us right whereas with surfing it's it's much more of a like survival like i get like really get hurt and potentially die right so the difference fear did sort of different spectrum of it and too i hate i hate talking in front of people i hate I don't like, that's like one of my biggest fears is being on stage talking in front of a, a group of people don't like it. And so then you go play music, which you're, I'm even more insecure about. And so you're just like, ah, so it's weird. And so over time I had all these opportunities and now it's, it's more like I'm not pursuing that nearly as much due to just, I'm okay. I don't like, that's not my livelihood. It's not how I, you know, pay the bills. It's more of a hobby. So it's something I can, you know, do little one-offs and, and be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. No, I can appreciate that. I mean, you can see, I got all these guitars behind me and, you know, I don't play like I, I used to or like to, but it's just a wonderful meditation. And it's like, uh, it's like, it's for me, it's sort of like cooking or gardening or something like that. It's something that makes you feel kind of connected and, and, uh, yeah, it's special. It was fun playing a little bit of music with you at the Surf Ranch, too. That was my first time jamming with you. So anytime you ever want to, you know, do something or need a sidekick for a show, sign me up. I'm close. All right. Well, dude, you're ripping it. Yeah, man. It's it's fun. The, well, I think that's maybe a good segue into what you're doing now with uh, Deadwood and De Deadwood Construction. I was looking at the site and it's just super pro and I was really psyched to see some of the stuff you guys have built. 
like the Made West Brewery setup and the Ventura Pier is one of my favorite spots in Ventura, hands down. Yeah, that's a great spot. We did the structural on that. So what you don't see, they're all butt to mind. And so they had they had their tile guys to all the tile work. But it was I mean, it's nice to be a part of the structural work because there's quite a bit of structural stuff we had to do on the backside. So but yeah, they did a great job. Beautiful space. Yeah, I highly recommend anyone driving through Ventura stop in for a pint at the pier at uh, Made West. And yes, when did the construction journey start for you, Tim? It started when I was, I think, three years old. My dad is a Finnish carpenter. We lived in Oxnard, and then he bought a like an acre parcel in Temecula when I was three or four. He went down there and built his a spec house. I think he was like 24, 26 years old, and he did everything. He did the footings and framing. And, and so I was out there at three or four years old, just digging, making sure all the footings were like perfectly square with a can, an empty can. And so my dad, you know, did that, then sold that house. We moved to Silver Strand and then they live in a house for a couple years, fix it up and sell it and cut, they kind of bounced around. So I saw, you know, the remodel work and all the stuff he did. And then him being a finished carpenter, you know, he was always working on stuff. So fast forward, when surfing was kind of winding down, it was around 2008 when we just lost our butts in that too, because um, we did our first kind of personal flip that we're going to live in and then got caught with some other things. And um, so 2008, 2010, surfing was winding down and my brother-in-law's a real estate agent, my brother, and he said, hey, people are buying homes at the auction. So we went, gathered up a little bit of money that we had left over and bought our first flip, I think in Port Wainimi and flipped it and then did a couple more. And then that went on for, it's still going on. I formed a partnership. And so we, we flipped quite a few homes over like 10 years. And then seven years ago, I was like, you know what? The flipping might slow down when people get equity again. So we started done with construction and it's been like anything, it's like they say it takes seven years for a company to start or work or, you know, and, and we're finally at that seven year point with just, we're getting a little breathing room to be like, okay, we got the right supervisors and a great team. And so it just, it feels good. And we have a ton on the books and I'm so thankful that took that risk to start it when it's been a grind, you know, cause when you first start construction company people are asking you to build fences and you're like there's no money building a fence and then it's like a one bathroom remodel and you're like we'll do that but it's not going to pay my salary for the year so it's like over time just like slowly grown what are some of the projects that you're proud of or really grateful for that you've been able to work on tim right now we're in the middle of a big new custom homes in spanish hills las Posas estates area and good friends of ours and they they trusted us to take on this huge project to you know almost five thousand square foot house with the covered porches and a pool and a full cabana house and guest house and so it's just a monster project and it's going to be beautiful we're, we're doing the drywall right now so i'm excited to get to the finishes and then we've done you know i've done I'm proud of even, you know, a lot of the flips we did with Shanoa, my wife just being the interior designer. And we did a really neat one on Poli on the hill in Ventura, Craftsman Home. Um, it's fun seeing something so just dilapidated and just, you know, no one wants to touch it. 
and then taking it on and a year later it's like a beautiful home in ventura or camarillo so it's neat to see the whole process yeah, I follow your wife, Shanoa, online. She's great and just love the all the stuff that she does. She seems like her real estate career is just really taken off and she's just like, you know, really talented at it and seems to be, you know, having fun and clients seem to really love her too. Yeah, she's uh, doing great, been busy and thankful and she just has a good eye, an eye for design. You know, it's like she loves designing interior homes and stuff. Although that's not what she focused on, but it's kind of like her side hobby, which is fun. Yeah. Well, it shows even that I get to tell she probably has her hand, fingerprints on Deadwood site. Everything, you know, looks really good. So, so I sold my house in Ventura four years ago this week, right the week before Thanksgiving. And then two week two, and I moved up to San Francisco to chase uh, uh, my now wife Holden and uh, that paid off. But uh, two weeks after selling the house, uh, the Thomas fire happened. And oh, wow. that was a really wild experience to kind of pack up and bail. And then the whole town, you know, I, do you know how many houses burned down in Ventura, Tim? The number? I don't know. I'm going to say between like 800 and a couple thousand, I think. That's all right. It's crazy. How, what was that experience like for you guys? Like, were, were you, was your home at risk? Oh yeah, we evacuated because we live right below the hill. So we evacuated at two and two or three in the morning. But that was a crazy experience because I I got I was filming little um, board blocks where I write a board and talk about it. And I, my buddy Sean, who films them, I said, "This is be during those Santa Anas." I said, "You know, maybe you should do a documentary on uh, Santa Anas and like going back to like the Indians and all that because the only people on the planet that like Santa Anas are surfers." And everyone, you know, they do so much damage. And he calls me one night. He's like, I'm filming the fire. And we just talked about this like a few days before it in Santa Paula. And I'm, and I'm and I, was, I was like, where? He's like, it's, you know, deep Santa Paula. So I just jump in my car because our friends have Painted Pony Ranch on the 150. It's like tons of kids go there to, you know, see all the pigs and goats and all that. So I get on the 126 and I, I see that wall of fire. And then another friend calls right then and goes, you need to come to Wheeler Canyon, which is in between. Our friends need help. So I go there. There's one engine at the foothill in Wheeler and we're there for probably a half hour. And and when that wall of fire came to Wheeler Canyon, which is closer to Ventura, I just called Chanel and said, hey, get out of bed. This is coming to Ventura and it's bad. And it beat me back to Ventura. No way. It was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, that's crazy because that's, that's a good five, seven miles, at least maybe 10. Yeah. And you're driving 65, 70, you're probably driving 80 miles an hour. Yeah. And it was already on the downtown Hills. Like it was crazy. So that was wild. Yeah. And, um, sad, but it's, it's nice to see that, you know, it looks like majority of the homes are rebuilt. Yeah. The, for folks in the audience that aren't aware, Santa Ana's are East winds that blow from the sort of valleys in in toward the ocean surfers love it because when it woke when the wind blows you know offshore like that the waves barrel and tube but it is obnoxious for everybody else my wife hates it because she gets allergies yeah yeah 99 of people hate it but we love it i know it's funny that way so yeah, well, that's great. I think with, as far as Deadwood, one of the things that we had a conversation about at the Surf Ranch event was sort of this 
you know, kind of idea. It sounds like it's, you know, partly inspired, but what they're doing is for you to get involved in building some kind of, you know, surf ranch development. It seems like there's so much possibility there with, you know, the thing that I just love about the surf ranch is that it's, you know, it's sort of a sure thing, you know, you're going to get waves, right? Yeah. And just, I think what a ton of people are thinking, it's like, if you could find the space where there's, there's enough water and it's, you know, just everything lines up. There's a lot of potential to make the space that is built around this wave where it's a beautiful beach in the middle of, you know, landlocked in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, I'm actually going right after this to meet with an architect who's done communities. We've been talking a little bit about the idea or, you know, private home with a small mini wave pool. So we're having a meeting right after this to talk about that. So it's kind of cool full circle with now that we're in the building world that, you know, you never know in 10, 20 years, that could be something that we're a part of doing. So dream big and you never know. Well, with your track record of being able to sort of this idea of idea to thing, I think, uh, you know, I'll be surprised if that doesn't happen. No pressure, but uh, anybody <laughs> in the audience who wants Tim to wants a, a private wave pool in the in, in your backyard, hit Tim up. You could find him on Wood Co. Wait, what, what's the website? Deadwoodconstruction.com. Yeah, deadwoodconstruction.com. Awesome. So we're going to kind of round third base. One of the core themes of the Curdy D show is humanizing success. And, you know, I, I just shared about, about my, my hearing. I also helped my my dad get sober when I was in my 20s. And um, I really do believe that the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the possibility for a breakthrough. Having said that, what are some of the challenges personally or professionally you've had to face or overcome or overcome that you're comfortable sharing? And what gifts did that pain give you? Well, my biggest hurdle in life so far has been I had celiac disease and I didn't know I had it. And I actually ended up quitting the tour halfway through. I was on the WCT and it was just getting so bad. I had it since I was a little kid and it was getting so bad that I was having panic attacks and uh, horribly sick. And I was I went to the top doctors, UCLA, San Diego, and everyone's like, oh, it's job or you got something in Indonesia, blah, blah, blah. Well, got so bad that I had to quit the tour, which is so hard to get on. So that was a major bummer. But the the breakthrough for me was my whole life, I couldn't understand why I was always so sick and in bed. And all I could do is like pray and like, just like, God, one day heal me, one day heal me. Let me figure this out. And he did when I was 28 and it took, it wasn't, it was all those years of being sick, but just trusting like, Hey, there's a chance that we could figure out what's wrong with me. And we did. And I'm so thankful. And it's like, just trusting in God. And it could be 20 years, you know? So, yeah. Is that something that, how public have you been with that? You said something in the book. People know about that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been asked. Yeah. So. Okay. What was the unlock? Was it just like, you just kept at it and you found a doctor that just diagnosed it right or? No, it was, it was two months after I quit the tour. My brother-in-law called me and said, Hey, my, my buddy just had to have his gallbladder removed a couple months ago. And cause he had, you know, really bad stomach pains and he was always sick and they removed that. And then a couple months later they told him it was actually gluten. And I'm like, what's gluten? He's like, 
it's in everything, you know, it's flour, it's what, you know, it's in everything. And so, and I said, I'm going off it today. And within two weeks, all the symptoms were gone. It was just someone wow, telling me something as simple as that. Holy smokes. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So no bread at the, uh, the Royal Tenenbaum's Curran's uh, <laughs> dinner. No, no bread, no bread, <laughs> no beer either. Right. No, no beer, no bread. That, that makes sense. Why you're white. Wine and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last set of questions, we're going to do some a rapid fire, couple of questions here, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. So you You've been self the question is the best boss you ever had and why, but you've sort of been self-employed your whole life. So that might that's might be kind of a non-starter question. Yeah. I mean, you still have there's great I don't know. You still have sponsors and you're dealing with companies, so they're basically your boss. But yeah. Who is the best sort of like yeah, in that context, somebody that was really So far with Salt Life, Larry Laska has been the team manager for Salt Life and he's just been credible. And just, I don't know, just how I'd like to be a boss. Yeah, I love that. What's the best sort of like team or company culture you've ever been a part of? You've been, you know, sponsored by a bunch of different companies. You know, is there is there any particular? Yeah, we Curly was great. And, but Salt Life, I've been with Salt Life, I think I'm going on seven years now. And they've been just incredible, great company, just a p- absolute pleasure to work with. What makes them special and different? What about how they? I think it's more just like they let you do the, do your thing, and they, it, you know, it's back. I've had so many sponsors, but it seemed like when you're younger, a lot of people want to control, like be in your mix and control you, tell you what to do, where to go, a lot more. And maybe it's just my age. It's like they're like, okay, you made it this far, just you know, send us content, have fun. And it just, it makes it really nice. Yeah. Sort of just do you, right? Yeah. 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 What about Hurley was special? What years were you, were you with Hurley? And it was, was it, it was Bob Hurley, right? That's the guy. Yeah. So uh, Hurley was great because they took me after I didn't have a sponsor for, I think a year. So I'm thankful to Bob Hurley and Paul Gomez for, you know, giving me kind of that. It was almost like my last shot at competitive surfing and I had to do almost a whole year on the tour with no sponsors. So you can only do that so long before you have to quit. So they came in at the right time and uh, yeah, it was great. And just all the the trips in Bali and Pat O'Connell, there's a lot of amazing memories. That's awesome. Well, kudos to them for kind of being, I, I guess the insight there is taking care of people when the trips are down and, and there's sort of like that, kind of that relationship, right? Yeah. Looking after folks. Great. What's one thing the world doesn't know about Tim Curran that we wouldn't know if I wasn't too curious to ask? It could just be a fun fact. Like uh, Zach Weisberg at the Inertia uh, had a funny comment about his pinky toe. Oh, really? <laughs> facts. Fun facts. I, I could eat Mexican food at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, dude, you, you and me both. So we'll have to trade uh, trade a local spot. I can't really eat Corrales anymore, though, because I just I had to take a nap for in, in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I love Corrales. I tell people because our office is right next to Corrales. So I tell people if I live to 100, it was because of Corrales. 
<laughs> well, the house that I had in Ventura was on uh, South Catalina in between Thompson and Maine. The, I, it was one or two streets from Corrales, and that was one of the main reasons I bought the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. So you and I are both of music obsessed. If you could magically have any band play any venue, who would it be and where? And it could be in the future or in the past, too. Any band? Ooh, that's good. I would love to see Bob Marley. Yeah, love him. Play in my backyard for some friends. Hell yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of Bob. I've been. That's sort of a reoccurring question on the show, and we've had one or two Bob Marleys, and I'm I'm so with you on that. Yeah, it's just so unique, you know. Yeah, I still listen to a ton of Bob. Like if I just in a spot where I just need a little, you know, spiritual grounding, it's good. Yeah, sweet. Well, I guess, how can the audience uh, be helpful? It sounds like the yeah, the sense around uh, the, you know, anybody has any connections around wanting to do some larger scale kind of like, you know, some of these wave pool things might be interesting to you. Anything else? Wave pools, if they want custom home built or a big remodel. We specialize more in like big, big, bigger remodels, you know? Yeah. And uh, ADUs pool houses yeah yeah well we uh we were living in venice when the pandemic broke so we were we moved back up north to camarillo and you know it's only 45 minutes into santa monica i had a meeting last friday it took me 42 minutes to get into the city wow so and it's nice because here i i I don't want to maybe be like tell too much of a secret but like camarillo is great because like 20 minutes 15 minutes to county line 20 minutes to oxnard 20 minutes to ventura so like surfing wise, it's great too. So anybody in the audience who wants to spread out, get up, come up north, will come surf with with, uh, with us. It'd be fun. So yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, we'll link to how folks can find you online, Twitter, and, and uh, your your website. Tim, you're a really really special guy. Uh, I feel super honored to be able to have this conversation and be friends. And just thank you for just all the good that you bring to the party and. Uh, you too, started to reconnect. So thank you. Yeah. Great to see you. Thanks again to my friend Tim Curran for being our guest. What a memorable episode for me personally. I love getting some of the detail and some of those stories like the Pipe Masters heat with Kelly Slater with the world title on the line and also the talk through around fear and how to interface with it and and overcome it these are great great insights hopefully you found it interesting and useful too i'm at curdy d on twitter and instagram also kurt derridix on linkedin please sign up for my email newsletter at curdyd.com for updates and special content thank you so much to hunt club for sponsoring the show hunt club is a new category of recruiting firm helping the next generation of category creators find the best talent go to huntclub.com to learn more Till next time curdy d loves you thanks for listening to review the show notes for this episode which includes a summary key takeaways and any links mentioned visit curdyd.com Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to be notified when new episodes go live. Stay tuned for more unique perspectives shaping the world on The Curdy D Show.